Welcome to episode 20 in the second season of Justice with John Carpe, the podcast from the Justice Center for Constitutional Freedoms. I'm the show's producer, Kevin Steele, and I'm here with our host, John Carpe, who is the president and founder of the Center. Last week, our podcast concluded with something of a legal cliffhanger. In Alberta, the health authorities had sought an injunction against a small restaurant in the town of Mirror for repeatedly ignoring health orders related to the COVID restrictions. The authorities got that injunction, and Alberta Health Services then claimed it could apply it to any and everyone across the province, not just the people associated with the restaurant and mirror. This was a draconian escalation of state terror. Sad to say, that's not hyperbole. A week later, the Justice Center was in court challenging that interpretation of the injunction and it had it amended by the same judge that issued it initially. And, as per law, it now only narrowly applies to the people associated with the restaurant. That's the way it should be. However, Alberta Health Services, in cahoots with the police forces and prosecutors across the province, even though they were notified of the legal change, pretended that the amendment didn't happen. And they continued to threaten and arrest people citing the original injunction. Oh, and your mainstream media? Your CBC, CTV, Global, the Canadian Press, Post Media? Well, none of them reported on any of this because, well, why? We're not completely sure yet. I can guess it has to do with power, politics, and money, but that's just my guess and it's pretty unspecific. It's become increasingly obvious over the last few years that the corporate media have become dishonest brokers of misinformation. Anyway, that's where we left off last week. That's our cliffhanger, with this abuse of power in play in the Justice Center's home province. Let us now turn to our host. So, John, has the state of state terror in Alberta diminished? The police state of Alberta is uh, still a lot of terror going on. I'm getting emails every day from people that have been served by police services, whether RCMP or... uh, Calgary Police Service, Edmonton Police Service, uh, other police services, and they are taking this May 6th injunction, which applies only to Whistle Stop Cafe in Mm -hmm. the town of Mirror, Alberta, an hour and a half uh, east of Edmonton. And uh, uh, police are using this to intimidate people, to uh, threaten them, and to say that, uh, you know, we're not... Prior to May sixth, you could get a you could get a two thousand dollar ticket for peacefully exercising your charter freedoms, but uh, they say now we're serving you with in, with this injunction. It is up the ante. We can immediately arrest you and imprison you for being in contempt of court. Yeah, but we we dealt with this last week. They're still doing it. Like they're still, still doing it. it. It's an it's a breakdown of the rule of law. Mm. Uh, Alberta Health Services, their lawyers know, and I I, I don't know what the Alberta Health Services lawyers have told Alberta Health Services, because obviously I'm not, I'm not privy to that, uh, nor would I be. That would be you know privileged solicitor-client communications. But the lawyers acting for Alberta Health Services, uh, Kyle Fowler, uh, Jennifer Jackson, Mark Jackson, these lawyers know that the Justice Center went into court before Associate Chief Justice Rook on Thursday, May 13th, 
And they know that we made an application and they know the reason for the application, which was that the May 6th order was worded way too broadly. And it it was worded in a way that it did apply to everybody in Alberta. We have a brief of law that talks about the law as it applies to injunctions. And it is settled law. Uh, there's no such thing as settled science. Uh, I guess there can be on an interim basis. You've got a consensus. But uh, law is the same way. It, it is settled law that injunctions uh, do not and cannot apply to the entire population. There are numerous court rulings that, that all say the same thing from the Supreme Court of Canada, courts in every province, saying that an, an injunction like a restraining order against a violent domestic partner, an injunction applies only to the individuals, or sometimes it could be a company, a business, an organization, to whom that court proceeding is taking place against. So Alberta Health Services applied for an injunction against Whistle Stop, and that injunction applies only to Whistle Stop and people working in concert with Whistle Stop or under the instructions of Whistle Stop. So this is in our brief. Uh, our lawyer, we hired outside counsel for this, Dalton McGrath of um, of uh, uh, Blake Castle's Graydon, Graydon, and uh, now it's called Blake's. So but he brought this to the attention of the of, of Jennifer Jackson and said, "Look, uh, th- 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 this injunction is improper. Uh, you cannot have an injunction that applies to the province at large, and uh, we want this amendment to take out these five words." to clarify that. And she said yes, and she agreed, and she consented. So the lawyers for Alberta Health Services know uh, not only that our position is correct legally and that an injunction cannot apply to all people, they also expressly consented to the removal of these five words that were improper. And now we've got Alberta Health Services is still uh, writing threatening letters and making arguments in court on these different contempt applications against different individuals all over Alberta. The police are misrepresenting the order and they're serving this this May 13th amended order saying it applies to you. And if you dare to exercise your charter freedom of conscience or religion or, or association or peaceful assembly, we will immediately arrest you and throw you in jail. So this so, is a complete breakdown of the rule of law in Alberta. Yeah. Okay. But how, how can we get them to stop? I mean, obviously this is... We're going to have to make another. It's completely out of hand. Um, I mean, and and don't get me wrong. I'm not saying it's, I'm I'm not saying things were okay prior to May 6th. I mean, it's not okay that you could get a $2,000 ticket for having your parents over for supper. Uh, That's not okay either, right? But this is so much worse that you can be immediately arrested and thrown in jail. So we're going to have to make another court application and go before Justice Rook again to seek clarification of the obvious. Because what Alberta Health Services is now arguing is akin to a scientist arguing that the earth is flat. I mean, it, what, it's... What are they it, saying? It's They're not... They're saying the order, the order still applies to everybody in Alberta. Even Based though that's contrary, I guess we'll have to hear what they're, what they're going to say in court. But it's completely contrary to the law of injunctions as understood and established. And it's also completely contrary to the... The undertaking or promise that was made and based on the conversations between Jennifer Jackson and Dalton McGrath. And it's contrary to uh, the amendment on May 13th. We didn't go, we didn't go before Justice Rook to get those five words taken out for nothing. 
Uh, yeah. You know, Alberta Health Services is essentially saying that this was just completely meaningless. That we went in, that we hired a lawyer, we went into court. You know, we we have we have an affidavit, we have a brief, and everything else. We made a whole court application to which they consented, and now they turn around and say, "Oh, that meant nothing." Right. I mean, it's it's kind of insulting too. It's like as if the justice center were going to court just for the hell of it, you know, for for no, no reason, I understand. And, and and obtain the removal of five words for, that were improperly put into an injunction on May sixth. Why why would uh. we waste our time doing that? Well, these people that are getting persecuted under this blatant uh, disregard of the law, will they have remedy afterwards? I mean, it's abuse. It is, you know, police abuse. Uh, to me, it's akin to physical abuse. You know, when you're, can they sue them? I know they, that's not what you guys do, but can they get some kind of redress from this kind of blatant abuse? I mean, can we start getting people together and saying, okay, that's it. We are going to take your funding and pay these people off. We're gonna we're gonna send a notice of liability letter to uh, police forces in Alberta and warn them that mm. the May sixth injunction applies only to Whistle Stop Cafe and that they are exposing themselves to liability. That any arrest that they uh, perpetrate or, or carry out pursuant to the May sixth order with a person not related to Whistle Stop that that right. is an illegal arrest and they're opening themselves up to liability and uh we're gonna you know serve that either by registered mail or a fedex pure later whatever on uh, on every police force in That's alberta good. and and give them a warning whether they're going to heed that or pay attention to it uh, remains to be seen but yeah well so that'll be a document that people can uh, people can use i i don't think we have the resources and it's probably outside of the justice center's mandate to be doing uh, personal uh, personal injury type lawsuits on behalf of individuals uh, right. suing police forces for charter damages. Uh, I don't think that that is within our mandate, but we can certainly provide copies. If somebody needs to sue the police, we can provide a copy saying, here's a letter that they were served with you know, in the month of May, informing them that the May 6th injunction applied only to whistle stop. And, um, you know, that can be a useful document for people that want to sue the police later on for wrongful arrest. Right, you're just teeing it up. You're just teeing it up for them. And that would be useful because, I mean, essentially, they didn't heed your first warning when you told them that uh, the injunction only applied to whistle stop. You did tell me that you informed them on the 14th, I believe it was, the Friday. We sent, sent, they were not by registered mail or served. They were, they were not very lengthy. It was, it was a very short letter, but yeah, they were, uh, they were already informed on May 14th. And I talked about it. I mentioned a breakdown of the rule of law. I mean, there's a blatant breakdown of the rule of law where you've got court orders that are just being grossly and deliberately uh, being misinterpreted by Alberta Health Services and police. And the Alberta Health Services is more culpable. I mean, the police, although they too, they have their in-house legal departments and police Mm -hmm. know about injunctions. Police are always often involved with restraining orders. And so the 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 in-house counsel at the the legal departments of the you know Calgary Police, Edmonton Police, etc., they are uh, they should know better too. It's not like the police are without legal advice, right? Well, it seems to follow the same pattern, you know, with the the authorities ignoring the science. Now they're just ignoring the law, and now they're ignoring the law. Yeah. Now Jason Kenny on May the nineteenth gave a very interesting. Uh, it was a, a live streamed uh, question and answer session with Albertans. 
And uh, during one segment of it for, for roughly 10 minutes, he went into a tirade against uh, pastors in Alberta that are exercising their constitutional rights and freedoms. And he said that they are flaunting the rule of law. They are not abiding by the rule of law. And he also went on to say uh, reckless disregard of their biblical mandate. I'll touch, touch Oh, yeah, on this that. is uh, Alberta's head theologian, Jason Kinney. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Theologian in, in, in chief. Mm. Um, Jason Kenney says that uh, the rule of law means that everybody should just obey the health orders. The health orders are the law, and the rule of law means that everybody should obey the law. And so, therefore, everybody should obey the health orders. And that description of the rule of law is incomplete and misleading. And uh, the, the rule of law, first and foremost, means that governments have to adhere to the Constitution, which right. Jason Kenney is not doing. We're into the 14th month. No, we're into the 15th month, actually. Lockdowns in Alberta and in other provinces started around March 15th, 2020, and we're past May 15th of 2021. So we're in our 15th month of our uh, temporary two weeks to flatten the curve. And so these are the lockdowns are blatant restrictions on our freedoms to uh, worship and associate, uh, gather peacefully, move, travel, etc. Right. The fact that it's illegal to have some friends over for dinner that's a blatant violation of your your freedom of association. Freedom of association includes something like spending time with friends in person. And it's no answer to say, well, you can just have all your relationships by way of a two-dimensional computer screen and you can hook up by Zoom. No, that's an impingement on your freedom. I no longer have the freedom to see people in person. I'm relegated to a two-dimensional computer screen, et cetera, et cetera. So we're in our 15th month of these lockdowns. Now, the charter does allow governments to violate freedoms if it is a reasonable limit that is demonstrably justified in a free and democratic society, which means the onus is on government to say, we've got uh, a goal or an objective that is so important that it warrants trampling charter freedoms. And uh, we also have the evidence that the trampling of charter freedoms is going to bring about more good than harm. That's the case that the government has to make. Now, Jason Kenney's had 15 months to make that case. In particular, since we filed a court action in December of 2020 against the lockdown measures, we are now more than five months past that point. And uh, the Kenney government has actually sought and obtained the approval of the court to uh, not introduce any evidence until July of 2021. So they're flaunting the rule of law by violating our charter of rights and freedoms. And then having had the opportunity since December of 2020 to actually put some medical and scientific evidence before the courts, they are running away from that and not putting the evidence before the court. So is the rule of law being violated in Alberta? Yes, it is by Jason Kenney, not by pastors who are exercising their constitutional freedoms as they are entitled to do. Mm -hmm. Well, his interpretation is, I am the state. <laughs> L'État, c'est moi. Thank the you state, for that translation. State, <laughs> yes, the state is me. Is, uh, is yeah. 17th this century is France? Law, 18, 18th century France. Yeah, the king, yeah. The king is the law. Actually, it's uh, the health officer is the, uh, is the state right now. That's the... Uh, 
unfortunate truth. So, well, there's not much distinction now between the the politicians, the police, the bureaucrats, and sometimes even the courts seem to be just working together in concert without any more uh, meaningful separation of powers. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're we're at the lowest point for democracy in Canada since probably uh, World War II, when there were various restrictions were imposed on people. But that that was for five years, and that was to fight off Adolf Hitler and Imperial Japan. Uh, that was not to fight off a virus that is harmless for ninety percent of the population and that has a ninety nine point seven seven percent survival rate. Uh, you know, there's just yeah, no I know. More people seem to be twigging to this as well and i don't have any covid is no hitler how's that for a summary (laughs) covid is no hitler if we were fighting hitler we could you know we could justify various restrictions on Mm. uh, you know many aspects of our lives because we all have to get united behind the cause because if we don't defeat hitler then i'm not making a covid hitler comparison it's the government effectively without uttering those words they're effectively behaving as though COVID is something like an Adolf Hitler or an Imperial Japan during the Second World War that is such a uh, like a dire threat that they could attack us, invade us, bomb us, occupy us, mm-hmm. which only in hindsight do we look back on it and not feel the fear. We have to remember the, the level of fear in 1939, 40, 41, 42, it was not clear in those years that our side was going to win. So people were afraid. Right, yes. You know, and course, we interned yeah. Japanese Canadians, we interned uh, Italian Canadians. Uh, There's just massive fear that led to the violation of rights during the Second World War in Canada. Mm. Well, would you say that we're actually worse off now than we were back then? I don't know. I mean, it seems like uh, the restrictions... Prob- probably, probably yes. I mean, let me think. Uh, during the Second World War in Canada, uh, businesses were not forced into bankruptcy, Team sports, I assume, were ongoing, even though a lot of men were off uh, fighting, uh, you know, but there there were other men that were not soldiers and there were women and children and people were playing team sports. Uh, people were going to church. People were allowed to sing in church. Uh, people could socialize as they wished. Maybe they had a limit on uh, peaceful assembly. Maybe anti-war rallies were not permitted. I have heard that conscientious objectors were you know, suffered various forms of persecution. Uh, right. In World War One, the conscientious objectors, if I recall correctly from my grade 11 social studies, in World War One, conscientious objectors, those who felt that the war was immoral and that we should not participate in it, they were denied the right to vote in the 1917 election. Right. Because, okay. and the rationale was, well, like you're against the war, so you're not really a part of what's going on here. So conscientious objectors were not allowed to vote. I mean, you know, that's you'd have to ask somebody that is old enough to remember uh, somebody that that reached the age of of ten or fifteen by nineteen forty that can mm-hmm. remember uh, accurately what kinds of restrictions were in place on people in Canada during the Second World War. You'd have to ask them. But my guess is that we are we are less free right now than what Canadians were when we were fighting Adolf Hitler and Imperial Japan. Well, I know in BC, they, of course, have those rather onerous travel restrictions right now. They have these different zones that you can't... I don't remember travel being that restricted in my uh, study of the Second World War. But let's get back to the theologian-in-chief. Yeah. So Jason Kenney says that... uh, Very reverend Jason Kenney. 
the very <laughs> Father Kenny, yeah, okay. Father Jason, yeah, the very Reverend Jason Kenny. Um, he claimed on May 19th that churches that, that continue with communal worship breach their biblical mandates. Now, it, interesting that our theologian in chief would say this, when nowhere in the Bible is there a single instance of a temple being closed because of a virus or a disease. Mm-hmm. Not even uh, not even the, uh, what you would call it, the big disease back then that uh, was in leprosy. Vancouver. Leprosy, sorry, just slipped my yeah. tongue. Leprosy. What, no, what, what, what happened? What happened to the lepers was uh, they they were outcast. It was very severe. It was very harsh. You could say it's cruel, although they were doing the best they could under the circumstances with leprosy being contagious. If you had leprosy, you were exiled out of the community for the rest of your life, and leprosy at that time was not curable. I'm told that today it is actually curable. But at that time, you just gradually have the deterioration of your body and body parts falling off and the, you know this and that. You lose your fingers or your arm or your nose, and you just got worse and worse. So you were kicked out of society. But there weren't uh, restrictions imposed on the healthy population. In fact, prior to 2020, nowhere in recorded human history has, has any society or civilization ever uh, tried this big political science experiment to lock down an entire population and destroy the economy and shred the fabric of, of civil society and make it illegal to uh, have fun and enjoy yourself. This is a novel. The, the only science we're seeing here is political science. Uh, right. But this is a novel experiment. Well, I, I, leprosy, it seemed like that was that was a quarantine, wasn't it? It was more or less a permanent quarantine. It was a permanent right. quarantine. So you were yeah. you, you went to live with other lepers if you... You know, and this continued. I mean, even in the 1800s, there is father, oh, I forget his name, but there's a certain island in the Pacific. I don't know if it was one of the Hawaiian islands where it was actually a leper colony. It was an island where that's where the lepers lived on that island. And I guess the, you know, being contagious amongst each other didn't really matter. And mm. so ostracizing and, and outcasting lepers was, um, that went on for, for thousands of years, right? It's, it's only right. in, in okay. modern times that, that we have a cure for leprosy. But I think the bigger issue that that uh, Jason Kenney is getting at is, is obey the authorities. There's a verse in uh, Romans chapter 13, verse 1, says something along the lines of, you know, you have to uh, submit to the authorities, obey the civil authorities. Render unto Caesar and all that stuff. Yeah, that was, and that was in the Gospels. But just some examples. Um, the Hebrew midwives in the book of Exodus, they were told by Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to kill the male babies. So if a Jewish woman gave birth to a baby boy, they were to kill the baby boy at birth. They didn't have uh, ultrasounds to be able to identify the male and and uh, and kill him before birth. So uh, the you know back in the day, you, you only knew the gender at time of birth. There's no way of knowing ahead of time. Anyway, the midwives, they lied to Pharaoh and they said, oh, you know, we're trying to carry out your orders to to kill every uh, Jewish baby boy. But the Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women. They're very vigorous and they give birth very quickly before we get there. So then when we get there and it's too late and the baby's gone. So sorry, we're just not able to uh, carry out your orders, which was a lie. Mm. Uh, Pharaoh believed it. And it says God approved of the midwives. You have the prostitute Rahab who 
I think that was her name, with the Tower of Jericho, who disobeyed her civil authorities, and she assisted the Israelites in conquering the city. Uh, you have the three Hebrew worthies who refused to bow to the statue of gold, uh, even though they were threatened with being burned alive if they refused to bow to the gold statue and they were tossed into the fire. And uh, then Daniel in the lion's den, because he would not stop praying to the Hebrew God. In Acts chapter 5, we've got the disciples expressly prohibited from public preaching but then they got out of jail. They were liberated by an angel. The angel said, you should continue preaching. So they they blatantly, openly disobeyed the civil authorities, and they kept on preaching. And so, you know, using this inspiration, uh, you had the American Quakers in the 1800s that disobeyed the civil authorities because in the free states, there were express laws on the book that made it illegal to assist runaway slaves. So if a slave escaped from a slave state and made his or her way up into a free state, in the free state had laws that it was illegal to help those people. And yet you had the Underground Railroad to get the slaves off to Canada. So they disobeyed the, the civil authorities. And uh, another example, Corrie Ten Boom in the Netherlands, when it was occupied by the Nazis, 1940 to 1945, there were laws against uh, assisting Jews and hiding Jews, and they hid uh, Jews in their house. And ultimately, they paid for it with their own lives. They were caught and arrested. And Corey and her sister and uh, their father, they all died. Uh, sorry, Corey lived. I'm sorry. Corey's sister and Corey's father died in concentration camps in Germany because they assisted Jews. So they disobeyed the lawful civil authorities. But somebody mm-hmm. would say, well, but the, okay, the, the Nazis were not the lawful authority. And then it's like, well, yes, and that gets right back to the rule of law. Corey Tenboom and her family were adhering to the rule of law by disobeying the actual power, which was, which was the Dutch Nazi collaborators that were running the country during, during those four years. Right. Five, any- five years. Five years. Any sort of analogy between, say, the public health orders and that type of thing? Because, you know, they are not democratically passed. All they've done is said, okay, she has the authority to make up the law as she goes. Therefore, she is the law. I mean, could we say then that the well, should- public, she's not the legitimate authority? Or is there a way of... That's not something that we would take. Well, yeah, there's two, there's, in a nutshell, there's two things wrong with with the lockdown measures. And this would be, you know, everything I'm saying about Alberta is 99% applicable to the rest of Canada. So public health orders, there's two serious problems. One of them is it unjustifiably violates our charter rights and freedoms and governments. Now, now that we're in court in British Columbia, Alberta, Saskatchewan, Manitoba, Ontario, the governments are not putting forward, sorry, in Manitoba, the government did actually do the right thing by attempting to to justify the restrictions on charter freedom. So, mm. okay, so we have that government there. In other provinces, the governments have not put medical or scientific evidence before the court to justify the violation of charter freedoms. So that's a big problem is a charter violations. The other big problem is that democratic accountability is a fundamental constitutional principle of Canada and laws that of broad application are supposed to be passed by the duly elected members of the legislative assembly. So the federal parliament, Ontario's provincial parliament, the legislative assembly of Alberta, et cetera, et cetera. Laws are supposed to be enacted 
and passed and voted on and approved by a democratically elected House. And they're supposed to scrutinize and debate and suggest improvements. And we've had none of that. We're in our 15th month of a medical dictatorship where one unelected, unaccountable, politically appointed doctor becomes like the king or the queen and just uh, makes all kinds of laws that have massive and very destructive and toxic toxic impact on people's lives. And none of these have been subjected to a vote of the legislature. And this is wrong. So that, yeah. that, that that's the other big problem with Well, it. you've been talking about that for a long time, and I'm sure our, our audience understands this, but they got to get out there and tell other people. You know, this uh, word has to get around. 150, we're, we're at 150,000 uh, 150, brochures that have been uh, printed and distributed. So we're on track towards a million brochures. So if you have not yet gotten your little bundle of 50 or 100 brochures to hand out to your friends, family, colleagues, neighbors, etc., uh, I've been doing it myself in my own neighborhood. Uh, the gyms are closed. Uh, walking is good exercise. But if I'm out for a walk, might as well have a stack of brochures with me. I think I get the same amount of walking, leaving the sidewalk to walk up to somebody's mailbox and back to the sidewalk. It's the same amount of walking. So go out for a walk, take 100 brochures with you, put them in mailboxes. I leave mine with uh, the outside cover hanging out so it really gets noticed. Right? If somebody's like, you can okay. see the brochures hanging out. And ninety percent of the case is not going to get rained upon because uh, it it's close enough to the to the mailbox flap or tossed event, out along with those windows and doors ads, which I seem to get a lot of. Well, those are inside the mailboxes. I, I oh, think, I see. Uh, okay. uh, I don't know. And some of them, well, they look like they've been there for a long time. But the uh, the justice center brochure sticks out because it's hanging out because you see it mm. and. My guess is you're going to have maybe two-thirds of the people will just take it out, glance at it once, and throw it away. But you're going to have, again, purely a guess, you're going to have three out of ten people that are going to read it. And the public opinion is going to be influenced because our brochures are full of facts, unlike the government propaganda and the media propaganda that you get on the six, six o'clock news so contact the Justice Center info at jccf.ca and request your, your batch of 50 or 100 brochures, and we will get those out to you. And we're going to change public opinion because without that, the court actions are not good enough in and of themselves. Sure. And we might not win the court actions, but if public opinion shifts and if we can let go of the fear by considering the facts about COVID, then we can turn this mess around. I was going to ask you, do you have any uh, stories about the brochure? Any anecdotal feedback? Perhaps uh, have people phoned in after getting the brochure and said, way to go, or you guys are full of it. Or Do you get feedback at all in the office uh, from the brochure? Most of the, I mean, it's hard to d- distinguish between feedback regarding brochures versus general feedback. Mm-hmm. The feedback we get from the brochures is that we're just inundated with requests We've got two full-time admin staff people, and and one of them is spending a big chunk of her time every day just get, getting these uh, bro- brochures into uh, envelopes, and and then taking them down to Canada Post and you know oh, mailing them okay. off. So we're getting we're we're inundated with requests. We want more of that. We're we're now printing them, you know, fif- batches of fifty thousand at a time, and uh, seems like in in. Two or three weeks, uh, we got to order another fifty thousand. So we are gonna, 
We're going to print and distribute a million brochures all across Canada. In terms of the general feedback, the vast majority, north of 90%, is very positive. People are very grateful for what they're Mm. doing. People send us emails. We have voicemails. Thank you so much for standing up for the rights and freedoms of Canadians. Thank you for working to repeal these these very destructive, very toxic, very evil lockdown measures that are harming so many people in so many ways. Uh, We get a lot of feedback that way. And we're getting a lot of donations, which is good. We're going to hire two more lawyers as soon as possible. Got another one starting June 7th, uh, another one starting in September. So, uh, and lots of work that needs to get done. Sure. Well, that sounds like very positive feedback. Feedback, both positive and negative uh, for yourself. Have you had any death threats lately? Yes. Not, oh, really? not not recently. No. Oh, okay. No, I've had. I, I I'm 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 thankful. There's uh, you know, there's only been a few over the years, and yeah. uh, I uh, I report those to police and and leave it with that. I mean, nothing's ever come of it, so that's good. Um, that's tapered off then now, has it? That's what I was hoping to hear. That uh, you know, it's it's. I haven't, I haven't had are, one recently, which is which yeah, is good. It's good. No, I mean that's obviously uh, public opinion. I think would be shifting then if people don't feel confident uh, to do that kind of thing. We mentioned that quite a few programs back. So that's why I just wanted to check in. Well, so I was talking about feedback here. That's very positive. I know it sounds strange, but I take it as a very positive thing. So just to go back to the injunction very briefly, the, yeah. the Nova Scotia Alberta health services or whatever it's called in Nova Scotia, they also sought and obtained a, a province-wide injunction and mm-hmm. so I anticipate that the Justice Center is going to be involved there to get that overturned and to uh, take the the health authorities before the court and say, this is a complete abuse of process. It's contrary to established law. You cannot issue an injunction against the entire population and create a situation where any citizen and every citizen can be immediately arrested and jailed, right? Mm-hmm. Because that's a true police state. Right. Uh, this is why, and this is exactly why injunctions are limited to one person because it is a very severe remedy right? right if you if you get an injunction against your violent abusive domestic partner it does mean that if if police catch that partner violating the terms of the restraining order so say the restraining order is to say you don't come within 100 feet of my house you right know, you certainly certainly don't knock on the door or ring the doorbell that if police catch that person within 100 feet of that house in violation of the restraining order, the police can immediately arrest and jail that person. Now, that's a very severe remedy, and it is appropriate in some circumstances. I'm not saying injunction shouldn't exist. You know, there's a time and a right. place for it. That's a very severe, aggressive remedy, and it's very different from your normal law enforcement is you get the ticket, and you have an opportunity to plead not guilty, and you also have an opportunity to challenge the law itself when right. you plead not guilty. And you can say this law is unconstitutional. Right. Or you can say, I didn't do what I'm accused of doing. Or both. You know, you can right. say, okay. I didn't do what I was accused of doing. You know, and furthermore, my second argument is, is that the law itself is unconstitutional. Right. You know, okay. We, now, you say Nova Scotia is doing this. That's interesting because we've been hearing a lot out of Nova Scotia how draconian the uh, the lockdowns are getting out that way. Uh, in a province of a million people, the COVID, uh, COVID deaths, reported COVID deaths, and remember, governments report uh, as a COVID death anybody who died with COVID, not necessarily of it. So the COVID deaths in Nova Scotia, which has almost 1 million people, 
there are, uh, last I checked, 69 people dying with COVID. And if their demographics, uh, if their COVID demographics are like what they are in Alberta, you've got three quarters of those 69 people are people with three or more serious health conditions, cancer, emphysema, heart disease, mm. right? So it, it's not having, COVID's not having a uh, an impact on population life expectancy in Nova Scotia. And uh, anybody who says that it's callous to say that, I say, well, facts are facts. Uh, or to quote Ben Shapiro, my facts don't care about your feelings. Right. In Nova Scotia, what are the, are they using the numbers to justify going for this injunction, or are they just uh, they do they have a situation there? Just, where they're gonna- just the generic. I, I think it's the same tactic everywhere. It's just this fear yeah. of COVID. Right. We have to behave as though this is the bubonic plague, which you know wiped out a third of the population of Europe in the Middle Ages, or we have to pretend you know that this is the Ebola virus, which has mm. a very uh, high chance of death if you catch it. Which is also one of the reasons, ironically, why it doesn't spread that much. Because anybody who gets it dies very quickly, and you know it doesn't have weeks or months or years to spread it around to other people. Right. Uh, but they're living in fear, and and it's a big lie, and it's a lie that was actually articulated by Dr. Neil Ferguson of Imperial College. He expressly, I was rereading his his comments from March right. of 2020 the other day. He said that COVID's going to be like the Spanish influenza of 1918. And well, that's what terrified people. Yeah, and then they're acting like it. It's just not. And they're still the, acting. The virus like it. isn't acting like it, but they are. The virus. No, no, that's right. The virus is just not living up to its reputation. But our politicians and media are still behaving as if we've got the Spanish flu in our midst. Although I don't think they went through these kind of dramatic lockdown measures back in the Spanish flu days. No, and if they had, and this is hypothetical, of course it's debatable, but it, it wouldn't have made any difference because once yeah. the virus, I think that could be. Uh, you know, up there with with the biggest lies, the biggest lies being that COVID is an unusually deadly killer, that we should all be afraid of it, that COVID is spread by healthy or asymptomatic people. The other big lie is that we can stop a virus once it's out and about. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's uh, odd that people are still reacting as if and, that is the and, truth. And the government, government changes its slogan. The current slogan in Alberta is uh, stop the spike. That's the new propaganda that you see uh, our tax dollars being used to have all these billboards all over Calgary. Stop the spike. The spike in cases? Uh, cases. COVID. The spike in the cycle level of the PCR test? Uh, what exactly is the spike? And the big oh, yeah. billboards on the vaccines, uh, I think it's – I hope the vaccines are good. I hope they work. Uh, however – it is dishonest to pretend that they are not experimental. It normally takes 20, yeah. 15, 10 years, five years to, to properly test uh, vaccines. This is an experimental vaccine. Anybody taking the shot is volunteering to be a human guinea pig or a human lab rat because we don't know uh, what the impact will be two or three years from now. Right, yeah. There, so there is a there's a huge history of drugs and medications and therapies and treatments where the bad effects are not known until two, three, four years down the road. So right. this is experimental, and I think it's I think it's it's dishonest and reckless on the parts uh, on the part of governments to promote the vaccines. And what's also unethical in medicine, and I'm not an expert on medical ethics, ethics, but my understanding is the patient should make an objective decision 
should make a decision that's uh, as objective as possible based on the evidence, based on the pros and cons, without threats or without inducements. If a doctor says, you know, if you don't get this vaccine and if you don't come back here in a few weeks and show me your certificate to prove that you got the vaccine, I'm going to burn your house down. That would be unethical or any other kind of threat. Same with enticements. Yeah, that's there was the a keyword. Yeah, news keyword. news report coming out of Ontario that they they were enticing kids with free ice cream to um, uh, to to uh, were they driving uh, around if, in if panel vans? Panel vans. <laughs> hey kids, um, want some candy? And what the government what the government's doing now is telling the population at large, even though they're not telling me or you individually, is if you don't get the vaccines. We're going to keep on punishing you with these lockdowns. So you better shape up and smarten yeah. up and get yourself vac- vaccinated. Well, that's a threat. That's not asking citizens to carefully weigh the pros and cons. And if you carefully did weigh the pros and cons, then if you're under 70, unless you're immunocompromised, if you're under 70, your chance of getting uh, either killed by COVID or, or getting some long-term permanent health damage because of COVID your chance of that is so remote, and then you weigh that against an experimental vaccine, which is why I have no intention of getting it because I'm 53. I'm not immune, immunocompromised. I'm in good health. I've, I have nothing to fear from COVID. Why would I inject an experimental vaccine into my body? And again, I'm not saying that it's a bad vaccine. Uh, I'm saying we don't know. It's experimental. Right. And I, I sincerely hope that it works wonders and protects everybody and does a whole lot of good that doesn't change the fact that it's an experimental vaccine for a relatively non-lethal disease that's the thing exactly so that's the point and immunizing children some doctors one of the doctors i've been speaking with says that there's a potential risk of permanent harm to fertility for kids and for teenagers who get this potential wow. risk? He's not saying definitively, right? Of course, you know, yeah. yeah if if a, if a teenager gets know. this, it's but but there's a there's a potential risk which should immediately put a halt to vaccinating children against COVID. Right, for sure. You know, let, let's keep on vaccinating them against uh, uh, polio and and other real killers and cripplers, but to to give kids this vaccine, I I think it's uh, it, it is so wrong-headed it is so unnecessary and it is so dangerous right we're gonna have to do a whole show on coercion i think that's what we're gonna plan one of those do one of those really soon i wanted to go back to the very reverend jason kenny because Mm -hmm. uh you had talked about his uh, using biblical references and there was a columnist that you had mentioned just prior to the show that you said had done pretty much the same thing out of your area as well i think she's in the calgary herald lisa corbella yeah. My personal friend, Leisha Kerbella, for whom I have a very high regard. She's a great lady. She's very smart. She's honest. She's ethical. She's a very talented writer. And, and she's a delightful, she's a delightful person, a wonderful human being. She wrote a she wrote a column about two weeks ago, and this is somewhat similar to what Jason Kenny was saying on, on May the 19th, but saying that the uh the pastors that are rebelling against the, the public health orders and not abiding by them, that they def- defame and blaspheme Jesus with their actions. Now, first she goes on to what? talk about, she talks about, okay, so James, James Coates was in jail for 35 days. 
Then she talks about street church pastor Artur Pavlovsky, uh, who garnered international attention when he screamed at, uh, 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 I don't know if he shouted or screamed, but yeah, either way, screamed or shouted at Calgary police officers and health officials, six of them. And uh, you've probably seen this video clip. It, it, it went viral. And he's like, mm. get out, get out. I am not listening. Get out. I'm not listening to you. So, uh, and she called them, uh, sorry, he called them uh, Nazis, Gestapo, uh, fascists, and communists. He also said similar things when he got arrested in, uh, in Calgary. By the way, an illegal arrest, because it was pursuant to the May 6th injunction, which applied only to whistle stop, and uh, Art is not acting in concert with whistle stop or under their instructions. So, Illegal arrest. That'll be sorted out uh, in court. I think uh, Sarah Miller is uh, the lawyer, and I think it's funded by the rebels. So that's uh, representation for Art Pavlovsky. They'll probably be using the same sort of uh, using your amendment of the injunction to defend it as well, right? Yes, absolutely. Okay. Although I think he was, let me think, he was arrested... uh, I don't know if he was arrested before or after. I think he was arrested before the May 13th Amendment. Oh, okay. That made it abundantly clear that the injunction applies only to whistle stop. However, I, th- I still think there's a very strong legal argument that even if, if he was arrested on uh, Sunday the 9th. Okay, in that week, yeah. In, in that week, the injunction itself is improper because injunctions cannot apply to the whole population, they can only apply to certain named parties. And by the way, this May 6th injunction does refer to John Doe's and Jane Doe's, but that John Doe and Jane Doe is people affiliated with Whistle Stop. Right. And that's always the case with injunctions, right? Like, for example, let's say you got, uh, you had to go for surgery and the surgery got misperformed and you suffered bodily injury from a botched surgery. Now, and you don't yet know what happened. And so you sue. So you name uh, the chief surgeon, the assistant surgeon, uh, the nurse. You name everybody that you know the name of. But you also put in John Doe and Jane Doe, meaning other people in the operating room. I mean, maybe the maybe the janitor didn't mop the floor properly and that contributed to your damages. Or maybe uh, some of the admin staff put the, the wrong put the wrong labels on the wrong medications. Maybe it was the surgery itself. Maybe it was the assert, you know, the nurse that was supposed to count the sponges as they took them out right. and so. miscounted and you got sewn back up and it got a sponge inside of you, whatever. But John Doe and Jane Doe in that May 6th injunction refers to people associated with whistle stop. It is not John Doe, Jane Doe, meaning every Albertan. John Q. Public. Right. It's not, it's not John Q. Public. So Alicia goes on to say that uh, she thinks that they're harsh and, allegedly illegal behavior is blasphemous against Jesus and damages the church far more than any COVID restrictions ever could. Wow. What? And then she says that uh, there's no evidence that the mild-mannered male and female Calgary officers who showed up at the building where Pavlovsky was holding a church services, that that they were Nazis. I, I would say that, you know, Alicia's correct. I doubt that any of those six people actually had Nazi sympathies. I think she's correct on that point. But if you put aside ideology and motivation, and if you just look at the external behavior, when you have a government that is violating 
freedom of uh, freedom of worship. When when you have governments disrupting church services, which is now commonplace in Alberta, that is behaving exactly like the like what it's the outward behavior is like the communists. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you have arrest uh, pastors arrested and thrown in jail, the outward behavior is like the communists. Now that doesn't mean that covidism and communism are the same ideology. You could have different motivations behind it. Uh, but you know, where the rubber hits the road, when you're looking at what's happening to our rights and freedoms, you're seeing a lot of the same things that we've seen with repressive regimes, either in, in other times in history or, or currently all over the world, right? So Most her, regimes. So North Korea, theocrat. Yeah. Her point is she just can't see the forest for the trees kind of thing. Yes, uh, they probably don't have Nazis. I would, I would bet money on it. I would, I would bet, and I'm not a wealthy man. I would bet you a thousand dollars that not one of those uh, police officers has any Nazi sympathies whatsoever. But that's not the point. How are they? Their outward behavior, yeah, disrupting a church service and throwing pastors in jail. That's that's the outward behavior. And then for somebody like Art, who lived most of his life, or certainly his, his formative years, I don't know how old he was when he came to Canada, and I don't know how old he is today, but but he, he grew up in communist Poland. And Poland also, uh, before suffering under the communists, they suffered under the, uh, under the Nazis as well. And so this is a man who grew up in a country where you could get arrested and thrown in jail for, uh, uh, for saying the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. So he knows this stuff firsthand. Right. So when he's looking at the outward behavior people that are disrupting his church services and throwing him in jail, I wouldn't want to rush to judgment on on his choice of words. Right. And to continue my use of cliches here, if it walks like a duck, you can call it a duck kind of thing, right? It's what is actually happening that matters, not necessarily the background of the people participating in the action. So, Alicia, I agree. Then. Alicia goes on to, cover, to quote uh, the Reverend Ray Matheson, who is um, officially retired, but still a very active uh, pastor at First Alliance Church in Calgary. And um, so Pastor Matheson says, if the authorities were asking us to deny our faith or to go against the principles of scripture, we would need to obey God rather than the government. So he acknowledges that, that you know, yes, the, all those biblical examples where people did disobey the civil authorities and they did so blatantly and God was fine with it. Now, if the authorities were asking us to deny our faith or to go against the principles of scripture, well, uh, I think when the government asks you to live in fear all the time, when the government lies to you, by telling you effectively that we should treat COVID as though it was the Spanish flu of 1918, when the government tells you that you can get a $2,000 ticket and hands out those tickets to people that are peacefully gathering outdoors, when you can get a $2,000 ticket for you know, having friends over for dinner, when governments take a lot of the fun and joy out of our lives and harm our mental, emotional, psychological, and spiritual health, because it's illegal for kids to have a birthday party. It's illegal for kids to play with each other. It's illegal for families to go and uh, have fun at a swimming pool. It's uh, illegal to enjoy a bowling alley. It's illegal to go into a museum and broaden your horizons and enrich your mind by learning some things. 
It's illegal for kids to go to school, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. These are harmful, destructive measures when you cancel surgeries and you kill people like like Jerry Dunham, who uh, we're approaching the first anniversary of Jerry Dunham's death because Jason Kenney and Chief Medical Officer Dina Hinshaw canceled his pacemaker surgery, which he needed because his heart was functioning at 25% capacity. So I don't know what planet uh, he's living on when he says, if, if the authorities were asking us to deny our faith and to go against the principles of Scripture, the principles of Scripture, uh, one of the most common phrases in the Bible is, be not afraid, do not fear, be not afraid, do not fear. Mm-hmm. Over and over and over again, from the book of Genesis to the book of Revelation, you've got that do not fear. So now the government comes along and says, live in fear, base your entire thinking and lifestyle and all of your interactions, base all of your decisions on fear of COVID. And it's a big fat lie because we know after 15 months of this, that uh, it, it it's harmless to 90% of the population and it has no statistical impact on population life expectancy. Uh, we know based on, I'm using the government's own statistics. I don't get this stuff off of some conspiracy website. Pastor Matheson could, could go online and look at Statistics Canada and see that in 2020, there were over 300,000 Canadians who died, which is very sad, which is also normal. And... of those died with COVID. 95% of the deaths were not related to COVID. You contrast that to prior years, instead of having five, you know, so in 2020, we had 5% of the deaths were COVID related or with COVID. In the prior years, you had like 3% of the deaths were caused by or related to the annual flu. But there's still, there's no impact on death rates for a virus that is, that is of concern to people that are in nursing homes in their 80s suffering from three or, three or more uh, health conditions. If those people, you know, had COVID not been around, those people would have died of other causes. It's not honest intellectually to pretend that COVID is this killer. So well, I just want to inject there that they not only say that you must fear this virus, but if you actually don't fear this virus, then you have to fear us because we're going to just keep upping the fines, keep upping the punishments, you know? So if you're not afraid, we're going to make you afraid of something. And that seems to be the tactic, unfortunately. And you know, so- I, I, I think that's a brilliant insight. It's, it, it's exactly well, thank as you, you said. We have to, we have to, uh, we're being told we, we must fear COVID and behave uh, accordingly, or we have to fear government punishing us for, for doing lawful things pursuant to the rule of law and exercising our charter freedoms. I don't know how somebody could be 15 months into this and just be so ignorant of the, the lack of science that is supporting this. Because they, 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 they listen to the mainstream media. The mainstream media has been drumming, drumming the drum. Yeah, it's, fear, it's, it's, and they've uh, been lying as well. Unfortunately, that's what they're doing. You know? I don't know if I mentioned it, the media lie. They and they lie through omission. Oh yes. Well, that's, uh, when you that's when the you exclude thing. when you exclude relevant information, or when you don't clarify the information that you're presenting, that also is lying and it's dishonest. Just a That's just a microcosm of that. It's generally an editor's job, you know. He's the one who takes out the sentences. So lies of omission, you can blame those on the editor generally. <laughs> well, here I, 
I don't know if it's the reporters or the editors, but there were 3,000 people. Uh, sorry, no. There were at least 1,000, probably 2,000 people marching through the streets of Calgary on Saturday, May 15th against lockdowns. And uh, I saw no media reports on it. Right. Now, I stand to be corrected. I mean, maybe if I'd spent half an hour and really dug. But, you know, I, I spent spent several minutes looking for, you know, Calgary anti-lockdown protest May 15th and just no reporting on it uh, at all. Mm-hmm. Because what would happen if media reported on anti-lockdown protest? It might get some of the middle-of-the-road people that are neither strongly pro-lockdown nor strongly anti-lockdown. They might look at that and go, oh, wow, yeah, there's a lot of people that are really upset about lockdowns. Hmm, maybe I need to think about lockdowns some more and maybe maybe they aren't that good if there's a thousand people protesting against them. Well, you don't want that happening, right? Right. So kill the story. Yeah. So I think that's probably what's going on. It's it's filtering down from the top. And uh, who knows, some of the reporters obviously have bought into the uh, the big lie as well. Obviously, your friend uh, Lisha Corbella is following, I uh, would say, her own piper or her own pastor anyway, and uh, not necessarily using science or proper, I would say, biblical justification. However, I'm not a scholar on that, so I'll leave that to you. I just got a little email flash on uh, on my computer that uh, Alberta is supposedly lifting all lockdown restrictions by July 1st. Really? Shocking. I'll believe it when I see it. Something must I, have I'm happened. I'm sure there'll be, there'll be a fourth wave or, you know, a whole bunch of new uh, no, I think positive they, results on the meaningless They're going to run for cover test. and they're going to pretend this never happened. That's my guess because, uh, you know, they don't want to – well, they don't want to suffer the repercussions. I mean, it, there was just another study came out this week about Texas, you know, that proved that the opening up – That's because of the vaccines, Kevin. No. They all got vaccinated. That's the only reason that, that things have gotten better in Texas. Yeah. Sorry, I interrupted you. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Well, you anticipated exactly what they're saying about, you know, everything is due to the vaccine, this experimental vaccine. Well, it might be. It's an experimental vaccine. And, you know, I mean, I think they changed the definition of vaccine to include this uh, gene therapy that they're calling a vaccine. But that's another issue for another day. And that's not necessarily one that I have any expertise on other than to know that it is an experimental shot in the arm. So just to wrap up on on Leisha Kerbella and uh, Pastor Ray Matheson, I, I would say when when the government asks you, well, it doesn't just ask it; it demands on threat of penalty that you behave as though COVID is an unusually deadly killer, and as though uh, healthy people spread the virus, and as though lockdown measures are helpful at saving lives. When the government demands that you behave that way on threat of fine, and now currently in Alberta on threat of being immediately arrested and tossed in jail, that is the government asking you to deny your faith because your faith supposedly, presumably, is connected to the truth and love for truth. And if you love truth, then you don't be, you know, an adult toddler and blindly swallow. Uh, the drivel that that the mainstream media are are feeding you every night at uh, at six p.m. How can you love truth and just swallow lies so unthinkingly uh, after fifteen months? Especially when governments have shown their cards now uh, by virtue of not presenting the Alberta government in particular is not presenting medical or scientific evidence in court 
to justify these measures. Sure. That tells you everything you need to know about how scientific these measures are. Because if there was actually credible science to back up lockdowns, then Jason Kenney would relish the opportunity to discredit and publicly humiliate the unhinged conspiracy theorists, mm-hmm. as he uh, publicly describes uh, lockdown opponents. I mean, if I was in Jason's shoes, it'd be, oh, great, we got a court action. Now we can put all the science and medicine in court and we can prove that the anti-lockdown people are unhinged conspiracy theorists. We could stuff what does it the down government their do? Yes. They just, they run away from it. Yeah, well, and now we've got, what, if this email alert is true, then I guess after July 1st, it's going to be, what lockdowns? There weren't any lockdowns. We had a few restrictions here and there, but, you know. If, I, if I have to choose, if I have to choose between people lying about their past uh, positions and, you know, claiming that they, they were never really in favor of lockdowns. Or Jason Kenney said several times, oh, we've never had lockdowns in Alberta. So, right. Tell that to the single mother whose child she had to look after and couldn't go to work because Jason Kenney closed the schools down. Like, come on, never had lockdowns in Alberta. Well, it's, uh, I just, I see that returning. That era is going to come back in full force. And of course, your court action now, they're going to try to get it struck down as moot. Doesn't matter anymore, you know. Well, we're out, we're free, everybody's maskless, and there's no more uh, restrictions. So why bother? We don't have to prove what we did. But the worst scenario, though, is that uh, what I see on the horizon as a, as a serious danger is mandatory vaccinations and vaccine passports and basically turning anybody who does not get the vaccine into a second-class citizen with denial of one or more of the rights and freedoms, such as uh, flying on an airplane, uh, traveling internationally, coming in and out of the country, sending your kids to public school, going into a theater, uh, going to the gym, being part of uh, sports, mm-hmm. uh, sports, sports club, uh, like a team sport, et cetera, et cetera. I see a real danger, and and the reason here, here's why it's not because I'm good at predicting the future. I, I don't even, I generally avoid trying to predict the future. I I just don't get into that. But we've had 15 months, uh, well, 14 months. I'll, I'll forgive them the first month when we didn't really know what was going on. Okay. We've had four, 14 months of unscientific, uh, fear-based, irrational, arbitrary, stupid, harmful, destructive policies. I don't have a lot of confidence that, you know, two months from now in July, the government is going to uh, suddenly start basing public policy on facts and evidence and is going to stop the fear mongering. I'm still afraid of things like vaccine passports uh, coming into force. Uh, People right now who don't wear masks are second class citizens. Uh, You cannot in Calgary, and I I know it's the same in many places all over Canada, uh, in, in Calgary, the number of places where you cannot set foot inside the store without wearing a mask, even if you have a doctor's note, even if you have a health condition, you are not allowed to set foot in the store unless you're wearing a mask. That's the reality right now. Mm. So with that kind of fanaticism and contempt for human rights and an utter lack of science, I'm not hopeful that that things will get better in July. Having said all of that, that's why I said I would mm. prefer if they smarten up on the public policy front and get rid of these harmful, destructive lockdown measures, if they actually get rid of them and and they don't bring in vaccine passports, then the lesser evil, I, I'm going to try to not get too upset about these people 
lying and saying that, you know, we never had lockdowns. And if we did, I was never in favor of lockdowns. If that's what they, if those are the lies that they feel the the need to tell, I'd rather have them lying uh, than to have continuation of this terrible public policy. Right. Well, maybe the lies will give us something to talk about because that's my biggest concern. If this whole thing ends, what are you and I going to talk about? Oh, no. Oh, we had we had fantastic, excellent, outstanding podcasts throughout 2019 and uh, into early 2020 that were not related to lockdowns. Justice Center is going to have lots of court cases uh, on the go because uh, we still have, uh, apart from lockdowns, we've got a general cultural decline and a, a cultural slide away from the free society and away from the ideal of responsible, intelligent adults that don't desperately need the government's involvement or so-called help to run their lives and make their decisions, right? Because you cannot have the free society if if the citizens are like sheep or like children, right? You need responsible, reasonably virtuous adults that take responsibility for their own lives and for the lives of their families and that care about their neighbors. You need that fairly high level of virtue uh, in order to sustain a free society, and so if that virtue goes down the toilet and you get people that become more and more like sheep or like overgrown children and people that don't assume responsibility for their lives and people that are not compassionate towards helping out their neighbors, then it's next to impossible to sustain a free society that has all of these freedoms of, of uh, conscience and religion and association and expression and, and so on and so forth. Okay, well, if that's... So we'll have lots to talk about after lockdown. If that's your very eloquent way of saying that I'll still have a job, (laughs) I'll take it. Thanks, John. And uh, I think I want to thank you for this podcast as well. Uh, Great job. And uh, we'll be back next week. Hopefully, we'll be talking a little bit more about coercion. Anyways, we'll take care and uh, we'll see you next week. All right. Talk to you next week, Kevin.